we will use the term this year a lot and automatically think that this is the majority of our lives. As if 365 days is our world, our lifetime. As if we understand the idea or the number of said mistakes or errors in one year. As if our lives are a series of quantifications and statistics where we sometimes are defined by our efforts and by who we are in a series of numbers. Not by the quality of our intentions and the battles that we fight, but instead by a series of days and years as if to say we are the poor children of math and not the wealthy children of adventure, perseverance, and courage. Is it that easy for us to epitomize our lives by man-made equations scribbled on the backs of our minds? Or are we brave enough to hear the war drums in our spirits defined only by the wild? To never stop hearing the beat in our hearts. To never stop feeling the rivers in our souls. I, like you, have lost a lot in this lifetime. But we are the ceilings of time. And that makes the hourglass our mother. And that makes us the children of the sands of perseverance. And for that, I am grateful beyond measure. And I hope you are too. MDLP. Meditations. <laughs> Fucking end the podcast right there. Let's just stop it right there. <laughs> God. I am uh, coming at you guys hard fucking core in our last episode of 2020, episode 28. Shout out to the last episode best in parentheses. Episode. It's 27 that you guys never heard, but it was obviously our best episode ever. Ever. You should have been there. Oh, the universe loves it. I know yeah. it's listening. <laughs> Stupid universe. <laughs> um, welcome, guys, to the Battle Axe Podcast. I am your host, MDLP, with my awesome Baron of the, Baron of the North co-host, Johnny Banks. Yo, welcome back, everyone. Thank you for we another amazing ride. For real. At 11 in the morning on a Wednesday, because, you know, cheers to Jameson in the morning, because whatever. That's <sighs> just really cold water. <laughs> no, it's yeah, just... No. Just ready to party when it hits your lips. Again, as always, we always like to start our podcast giving thanks to those who support us. To the BV305, Villains305, thank you guys for your just um, commitment, loyalty, and support constantly. And shout out to their tour drive this year, which we were honored to be a part of. Enough to give 300 children toys this Christmas. And in children in need. So that's a beautiful sight to see that and to be a part of that in any way. Um, so respect to that to Cerberus strength USA again for supporting us and my people, um, with the discount code and just giving back to the community and taking care of its people. Thank you very much to Ken and to the battle axe podcast again, <laughs> the battle axe podcast, the battle axe clan, but yeah, the battle axe podcast yeah, too. Yeah. That's you, pretty cool. Yeah, that's I cool. Mean, I've, I've listened to it once yeah, or twice. Fuck yeah. Let's just do that. <laughs> um, but to the Battle Axe Clan, thank you very much, guys. It's been an amazing year. Um, we've started the year and ended the year with the Loyals. We lost no one in that sense, so I'm grateful uh, on a physical and mental level for that, for sticking around with the gym during this um, pandemic and never quitting on each other. So shout out to you guys. Um, my thanks is beyond measure. So, um, And to anybody who started the year with us and ended the year with us and who has started from the beginning on 28 episodes, over 15,000 listens, which is insane. By the way, I just don't, I still can't fathom 
more than a thousand. I on, haven't listened to anything. It's unfathomable <laughs> without fathom. Yeah. Um, but thank you very much, guys. For those who started this year, we even started in our last episode and who started on episode one when we were still recording at the Battle Axe Gym where mm-hmm. it's echoey and we were just doing it with um, John and JT. It was just planes flying through just in the middle. Getting, yeah, <laughs> traffic, the fans were on. If you guys haven't listened to those old ones, please do. I did on the way here, and it was just more emotional than anything to just hear how far we've come and how much we have left to go. So you're gonna, we're going to be a little bit in, in nostalgia lane throughout the episode um, just because I think I'm just really fucking proud this year and above all how much it's come um, in growth. So thank you very much, guys, to all our listeners. Um, and we're going to fucking get after it on the middle of a Wednesday. Yeah, you know. Yep. I mean, we're humping today is what we're doing. Just a little bit, of course, just to wet the whistle. Just a little, eh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> I normally never do this. <laughs> 50,000 people will know. So let's get away. Let's just get uh, right through the the quick and easy stuff because Absolutely. nothing is ever light here. It no. Brings more weight. It always starts light and then it just ends with it's this. <laughs> Why am I? <sighs> Whatever. Whatever. I, I saw this one thing, this one meme to bring it up and it's like, it was a, some girl uh, tweeted or twatted something. I like to say twatted. That's cool. She's like, how come two, How come guys start podcasts instead of going to therapy? And the response <laughs> was, how come girls start OnlyFans so they don't have to pay fucking bills? <laughs> I'm like, that's right. I mean, listen, it's if I could on. make a dollar from a picture of my butthole. Jesus, I'll bite my toes and I'll be rich forever. <laughs> what a post. But yeah, you're right. This is therapy. Or we can just, you know, literally pillage your, your neighborhood with all my bad friends and take all your PS5s because oh. we'll just be happy that me and John are on this fucking podcast. Mm. Yeah, this keeps us out of a lot of trouble, actually. A lot of trouble. Mm, nothing like a good robbery. I miss you, Dad. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Uh, so, well, let's talk. Um, recently, you decided to get back into some old prints for merch. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that. First of all, I've been hounding you for life. Please let me have an old shirt. Do anything, man. <laughs> man, I got these cheeseburgers, Look at man. me. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I love that. Um, okay, so that's funny in a sense because I always said that I – one of the things since the beginning has been that all our shirts are exclusive, meaning I never reprint them. I don't know how I came up with this idea, but I'll, I've always been kind of an elitist in that sense where I guess it's the covetous nature mm. that I have where like if I want something, I don't want anyone else to have it. Fair. So when I started making shirts, I'm like, let me prove your seniority because I came from a martial arts background. So I said, well, if you can't have belts, let's do shirts. And instead of necessarily rank, it's your rank is based on seniority. So the first shirt was white with red letters, and that's the first first ever made, mostly given away. Um, so it would just show you who was there first, and I thought that was cool. It's kind of like when you have like a red belt or a blue belt or a black belt, you're like, damn, you know, you've been around. Yeah. So I never remade these, and then this year, again, now that our uh, a lot more people are following, merchandise has become a thing that we do, and they see people in these shirts like, Mike, do you ever make these shirts again? I said, no, 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 for years. Yeah. And this year I was talking about it and I was talking to my friend Dennis. I said, I kind of want to do like a vote and maybe we'll bring some old school ones just because I think some of these are just, they went just from just strong as fuck to really great designs and concepts and mottos and powering things. And yeah. I think this year everyone really rocked their forward and everything and shirts a little bit more proudly because of what the model means to them. Um, I would speak very objectively. These shirts now speak something directly to the person wearing the shirt. 
it's a powerful shirt. It's not only what it means to me and people in the battle action, but what it means to the person wearing this title, uh, this picture. And I was like, I respected that. And I think this year just uh, brought it out a little bit more. And I said, why not get, why not start some old ones back, you know, like just kind of the old school and remake some of the ones that everyone's missed, you know, everything ends being my favorite, which didn't win the vote, but I brought back anyways, because it's my favorite. Um, and so we brought it back with a vote playoff style, which was my friend Dennis's idea, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and we brought back and we kind of revamped them in colors and maroon and, and baseball tees. And we uh, we ended up selling about 284 shirts in 10 days. But I added another two because we won't be able to print it till next year, another yeah. two, three days, which I think I only sold like an extra five shirts in those days. People sure. that were late classics. Um, and again, just unbelievably uh, flattering because in the beginning of this year we said the same thing when we talked about um, I believe the the episode name was the cure I was just listening to it here when it was just like in the middle of the pandemic mm-hmm. um, and things were closing and people were asking me you know how's it going Mike and I'm like well you know I've, I've put the battle axe on many platforms and for that reason I'm just gonna I'm gonna survive we sold flags we sold shirts and to end the year I think at this amount of shirts just goes to show you that people are really backing up each other. And I'm grateful because, you know, at the beginning of the year, we, that first shirts we sold, we sold like 103. Mm-hmm. And I know that we showed, sold four, but we almost tripled what we sold at the beginning of the year, just showing you that the human endeavor is to endure and to persevere and to support. And every time I hear people say, oh, humans suck, I'm like, they don't really, man. If you let them, they will. Mm-hmm. And look, people could have been like, no, we don't know what next year brings. I'm not going to buy. It's 20 bucks. But they see that they support the gym. They support me. They support us. And they buy things that they like. And also, you know, not everyone needs four shirts. <laughs> people do this because they know I that do. this goes away. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I do too, actually. I'm going to buy four shirts for myself. I'll probably lose them. Um, and it's just a really cool feeling to end the year on a strong note. So sure. um, thank you to everybody who bought those shirts and pre-ordered them. Um, even the people that asked me the dumb questions, I appreciate you. Any uh, any projections on shipping dates uh, after they get back to work or they haven't told 100%. you yet? 100%. So the first week of January, we'll be starting to print. Um, my printer took two weeks off, understandably so. I wish I could do that too. I should. Um, to end the year, just to be with their families. That case, that's kind of the private business just pays off. Sometimes you just need those last two weeks because honestly, you never take a day off when you own your own business. Right. Um, and I didn't know that. I was like, oh, shit. So we ordered a couple more shirts. So the beginning of the, beginning of the year, first and second week of January, we should have them starting to ship out because awesome. these are made to order. So basically, I only can only do it once I get the orders in. And that's the way. I think that's the smartest way to do it. That way you don't have yeah, a bunch of stuff sitting around. I used to, so the old way was to spend $1,000 and hope that yeah. you sell shirts. Right. And trust me, a lot of them don't sell. So. Well, yeah, now they do. Well, everyone, you know, it's always a proponent of like, oh, yeah, man. I'll, oh, I'll yeah, yeah. I'll more. buy like three. I'm like, hey, man, I got three XLs. Oh, okay. I'll just take one. I'm like, <clears throat> cool. So now I'm out 24 bucks. Now multiply that by like 50. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> piece yeah. of shit. Oh, well, it's, it's great. And I think it's a great opportunity for someone who met you later. Uh, you know, I think I met you at 17. Yeah, so the the, so the black and yellow those. with the, the classic skull Viking in the back. Yeah. You haven't seen those. Those I'm are like five years old. Oh, I'm like, yeah. I want these. <laughs> I've been around. What the hell, I'm here man? now. I'm here. I'm on the podcast. Pretty Damn I've earned it. I've earned it. Uh, so let's talk. Um, you know, Miami's baddest a little bit. Uh, do you have any idea of roughly? Are we still going to be shooting for April for 
uh, competition time? Have yes. you gotten any feedback on how? So good question, actually. This week, I'll be um, I'll be messaging the people from CrossFit Kendall. I will be hosting it the same first weekend of April. I believe it lands on the third. I will always have it the first weekend of April. It's just now now synonymous with a lot of things in my life. But the first weekend of April will be there, and then. Same event so far. The only event I might change is the stones, depending on the location, because just in case things get crazy and we can't use the gym, um, I can probably find another warehouse that's empty, but trying to convince them to drop 340-pound stones on their floor, no matter (laughs) how much I can ensure that that it won't crack, it might not be it. So I might change that to, like, kegs or something else. Everything else stays the same. I will also be talking to Alan to see if we can make the deadlift for a state record. In which case, I will probably have the heaviest lifters and stuff like that with calibrated plates to make sure things are real. Um, I have enough to help the big guys out, but I'll probably ask to borrow some plates too. Oh, that's great. So, so make it even. But I'm going to try and make that uh, a state record. And strongman records are kind of shady, but working with Alan, I think we'll at least establish a, just a flat-out Texas deadlift off the floor, straps, last man standing deadlift flat out let's just get it over with oh yeah and then uh, maybe he'll do one like in the log press next year and then we'll just have the biggest press biggest deadlift per class um, everything else has remained the same i'm back on schedule i'm opening the, uh the applications back up in january i'm actually waiting for my um my website girl to answer me because she's the one that does everything for me monica who's awesome so the best yeah she is freaking she's a saint so that's what we'll be doing and that's it so things are on schedule with that uh, people who didn't um, lose their ticket this year, they'll be in next year. So if you signed up this year and we didn't compete, obviously, you're in next year. I'm not dropping anybody. You don't have to repay. I'm not going to change prices. But I'll probably open up to 100 people because I've been getting a lot of feedback that they want to compete this year. So it will be packed. I can. Will you be that. picking a charity uh, closer to the event? Yes. I, I think I'm going to get back to uh, – um, Fight All Monsters or Against All Monsters, I think is what they're called. <clears throat> they fight and they help with uh, families whose kids have, oh, they help Gabe, who have um, illnesses. Mm-hmm. And some of them chronic and some of them, you know, pretty deadly. So yeah. we'll just re- we'll continue that charity because we never got to really uh, fulfill what we wanted to. We had raised $450 and then we just stopped. So now we're going to continue with that and, and, and do that. So same thing stay. Basically, we just might change a couple things of how the event looks. Fun fact. Uncle Mike. Oh, God. Baby Lola Ren Michael Banks. Yeah. Is due April 1st. Really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Congrats, bro. <laughs> you heard it first. Uh, baby Michael. It's a C. I don't care. <laughs> I'm like, hey, Mike. No matter how old she so gets, like, I'll be I'm like. I'm so confused by that guy. I'll be like, hey, what's up, Mike? And I'm like, I'm a 15-year-old girl. Like, yeah, just, Ooh, just leave your uncle alone. Just say yeah, okay? Oh, God, I don't want to think about 15-year-old girls. Oh, my God, no. Here. You're done want to cry congrats bro Fuck yeah, I yeah. Know. what have i done that'd be cool if she's born the third like two days later right on the event oh that would be sick that'd be cool because it's always again, a few days off or whatever. i'm gonna be like stepping into the wife like i know you're in labor but you mind if i swing the kennel for him you did the to me stare um <laughs> so i get a lot of messages on in in terms of like what our plans for the podcast are um, I'll start on my side by saying any of you who are interested in a certain guest, right? A lot of times you ask for, um, a certain email. I say, you know what? Just DM the page, right? At the battle X gym podcast, DM the page. 
with who you're thinking and their Instagram profile, if there is one. Let us review it. Not saying that we're very picky on who we have on, but we like ourselves more than we like most people. (laughs) True story. (laughs) So... Uh, any plans for the podcast that maybe you haven't told me about because you love doing that to me? Yeah, I do. I do love doing that. Um, actually, next year when we get, um, I think when things when we're not being literally shut down for a few months, I think we still recorded six, seven episodes, regardless of what was going on. Remember, for at least <clears throat> two months here in Miami, just nothing was opening up, <laughs> so that we lost another two, three episodes, and oh. then a lot of us were. And by a lot of us, I mean you and me, we were just trying to work and figure things out. Um, so next year, I would, what I want to do next year is host a couple extra hosts. Does that make sense? I definitely want to get Paul's actually coming in town um, <clears throat> sometime in January. It'd be good to get his perspective, mainly because we've had him before. Mm-hmm. But I think Paul has done a lot of growth as a person, as an athlete, as a coach. And I love to see that before and after. No question. I even considered having, and I do this, having my cousin on, who was in episode four. And that was literally oh, 23 episodes. And I know he's not the same man right now. At all. And that's kind of cool to see those. I would love to have some repeat guests if we have enough episodes, because I think we can have as many as we want. Just to see, just like how you've heard us grow in the last few years, where these people have come, you know, Lucas Irwin and these guys. And, of course, reaching out and actually having bigger guests, which I have access to. It's just really just this year has been a lot of people have been kind of hunkering down, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think what as far as what we're going to do, if it's not broke, I'm not really going to try and fix it. I think we're doing something great personally. I think we're having a good time. I just want to have a few more guests now this year. Like this year, to be quite honest, Aside from us enjoying our company and having fun on our show, we were kind of forced to carry the show on our own because a lot of people weren't in a great mental space. They just didn't really want to be on a podcast. They were either nervous or anxious or tired or going through some shit or nothing had happened. Um, And it was difficult. People weren't traveling. I didn't host any events. I didn't have any guest appearances in, in the Battle Axe Gym. You know, a lot of our guests are here physically. And that kind of... Uh, honed us and sharpened us to carry our show better on our own backs and i think it just made us have a lot of more fun and a great perspective on what we're doing so next year continue to do that because now we know how to do it on our own but also having others be a part of it i would rather have a physical guest because you know podcasts on the phone suck right um so i'm hoping that next year as we host more events we might even have like i said andrew Locke when he comes next year having him here i'd freak out Having Paul, when all my buddies are in town, because Miami's, yeah. and they, I travel down for seminars, have them. Like, have them here. Or have a guest, have our own podcast with a guest. You know, if Alan comes down, he'll be like, hey, man, just hang out. Yeah. Turn on the mic and jump in when you want to. Let us just do the show and have fun. And make it make it that way. I like that feeling. But be consistent and stay where we are right now in the sense of where we're going. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you haven't thought we've gotten better, then you should listen to the episode that is somewhere in... <laughs> The airspace of yeah, that long lost episode. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. You should have been there. This yeah. is another tribute to the best episode ever played. <laughs> we actually tied it to the back of Falcor. So if you can catch him. <laughs> Falcor. <laughs> I'm a child. <clears throat> so now that we got the good stuff away. So uh, as you know, we posted asking, you know, our audience because they are the backbone of this uh, you know what they would like to hear what what they want us to talk about because we love that and uh we got some questions for you so Oof, i know and i love this 
because I try not to read them, but sometimes I read them. I'm like, God damn it. That was good. Fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, so while we're rolling through kind of the update thing, um, do you have any plans for the axe? So. No. And I'm good with that. I really like where we're at. I think this year um, on a personal level has shown that what we've done the last eight and a half years is just so good. Aside from possibly expanding sometime, um, I'm really happy with how we stood as a family, as a culture, that we ended the year strong, not only on, on merchandise and sales, but as charities, as coaching, as team, as athletic, that the moment something was able to be competed in, we were there as as plate loaders, as an audience, as uh, judges, as a presence, as tents, as charities, as contributors, reposters, and the moment... For us, you know, January is just a month after December, and it shows because we already have events planned for January. So do I really want as far as plans uh, to change anything? And I don't mean that negatively. Sometimes change doesn't have to happen. Sometimes just being a little bit consistent and staying on course for a little while and catching that wind for a few miles is okay. So, no, man, I'm, I'm really, really proud of the Battle Axe Gym this year. And going in next year, I just want to remain consistent at the beginning of the year weather the storm a little bit and then open my eyes on the horizon if I see that change is being demanded, not forced. Well done. Yeah. Um, I, I, I ask you that because our, our good buddy, Felipe, 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 yep. he, uh, he has a pretty good question. And um, I like the idea of, of talking to you as a businessman because not a lot of people do that. Right. Uh, it's usually coach or athlete. And yeah, and he's just, he runs, you know, he runs his own firm thing. So he's a lawyer. And he run, he's kind of a big deal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I also have a firm. Yeah, firm hand. For us. <laughs> you were, weren't yeah, you? I was on the way. I, I was on it. the way. <laughs> he said, "What are the thoughts? What are your thoughts on the importance of flexibility and creativity from a business perspective, given this year's obstacles?" So. That's that's a good question because me and him actually discuss this a lot. Um, we see each other pretty much every morning, and we've we've fought a hard year as uh, being a lawyer. A lot of uh, court, uh, um, what am I talking about? Courts and stuff being shut down and local mm-hmm. government and that that hit them pretty hard. And of course, us being and I'm doing quotations in the air, shut down as gyms. Um, and what I said to him, the importance of of things like this in this year is not necessarily changing and adapting and becoming creative as a reaction, but I think that they're the strongest when they are preemptively done. Meaning the moment the tides are calm is when you should be the most feverish about creating new content, creating new avenues and making that your shield against what's coming instead of a reactionary thing. Because I'm not saying not to adapt and overcome. Obviously, this year showed it to us. It's important to, you know, change your, your platforms and and get new ways of getting information out and new ways of getting clients, especially as a business owner. Everything went online and making Zoom and all that stuff. Okay, but that's reactionary, meaning your greatness has, has is only coming because it's, it's just forced you to, which is great in a sense. But why not do it when things are calm? And I believe that that's when the greatest people thrive because not only are you going to, prepare yourself to react when things are hard but when things are calm and you become what complacent yeah. which is the biggest weakness we constantly talk about 
you have to practice these things now. So to answer his question about being creative and um, and just being uh, be able to adapt, the concept is to do this when you're not being pressured by outside sources so you don't make emotional decisions, you don't make rash decisions, you're not nervous, you're not angry, you're not just putting all your eggs in one basket. Instead, for example, like I said, we created the podcast, merchandise, videos, uh, being at events, you know, the, the whole culture concept. That was just what we always did preemptively. So when things get hard, I'm not creating content as a reaction. I'm like, oh, I have my shield to rely on. Let me open up my avenues and I can get creative because I'm calm about it. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this. I'm ready for it. And so to, to kind of hone things down on that question is don't always wait for something to happen to get creative. You don't always have to adapt because there's this massive uh, barrier to overcome. And I think a lot of people get off on that. They're like, you know, I adapted and I overcame. I'm like, that's great. But what did you do when things were calm? Were you getting creative and adapting then? Just yeah. because, What were you doing? Were you challenging yourself? Were you the, the tip of the spear? Or were you waiting for life to fuck you in the ass? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a difference. I'm not, I'm not trying to shit on people that did good this year, but think about it. Yeah, this year showed you that most people were fucking complacent. That's I, what it showed you. I would agree. It just showed you, hey man, when things were good, you were sitting on your fat ass and waiting. Now everyone's like, look at me, I made it through this year. I'm like, good for you. But what did you do in 2019 when things were great? You should have been preparing for 2020, and so on and so forth. Right. So always be creative. Don't wake up on a Monday and be like, it's a great Monday. I'm gonna chill the week. Be like, you know what? And think about it. I was gonna I was gonna post about this uh, today. I just didn't want to come off as an asshole. Uh, not I just want to be correct. I mean, the last month we contributed to two major charities and toy drives. I coached three events. I had athletes do participate in two events. We did an axe giving and an axmas, so we, our culture was great. I wrote a science fiction short story, which is really hard for me. We recorded two podcasts, and this was in the last four weeks. Like, what do you do? And I'm not, it doesn't matter how hard 2020 was. This is just because I know January is the next month. And I'm doing this on a personal level just to challenge you guys and be like, what have you done in the last four weeks where you're adapting and creating? Yeah. Because I didn't do it to respond to the year. It's just what we do. It's what I like to do, right? Agreed. So as a business owner, never stop. Always be the tip of the spear. You are your own 2020. You are your own difficulties. Challenge yourself, obviously, not to an extent. But be ready. Do it preemptively instead of reactionary because then it does become a reaction and that's not responding and that's bad. I love it. I saw a lot of that in my business as well. Right. Where, you know, guys who were almost allowing the crutch of more time on their hands to stop them from doing what they would have done anyways. A big part is like, for example, a guy can really, really work on Volkswagens, right? He's great at Volkswagen. He knows that Audi's not so far away, right? Mm. But he needs to develop that skill, right? right? He needs to go to school. He needs to take some classes, learn a difference. Right. And in the free time, they just don't. Because they don't, quote unquote, have to. Right. right. They don't have to. And then, the, you know, that business is walking through the door and they're going, oh, I don't know how to work on this. It's a great example of, of, of what are we doing with our time? How are we mastering time? And right. it's, I mean... <laughs> If there's ever been a year, I mean, for me, it was 2017, but for everyone else, I guess it's this one. Sure. Everything ends. <laughs> Man, and I'm sick of saying it. No, I'm not. Um, if this year has shown you that, to write to the punch in the dick, mm. that everything is a ticking time clock, that it has its own lifespan, 
And I would be ashamed to say that if you're waiting for something to show you this, you're already too late. Yeah, I would agree. <clears throat> Damn. Well said. I felt good about that. <laughs> I really did. Uh, so let's talk a lot about 2020. That was the most common question we had. It's pretty easy uh, question to ask because everybody was challenged by 2020. Um, everybody had it in their certain ways. But let's talk, uh, you know, we're going to talk a couple different avenues because, again, uh, you have the luxury of being addressed as an athlete. You have the luxury of being addressed as a coach. And then as a person whom most of us respect in life, even though I want, I want you to just do something. <laughs> just up like, remember when you thought you were going to be good? Idiot? Watch, watch me bowl. It's very not good. <laughs> 10 pound missile. It's fucking so mad. Uh, so what was your biggest challenge in 2020 athletically uh, as a coach in life? Uh, you know, how did you, how did you respond to them? What, what did you find was the biggest challenge? I think that obviously the business closing is kind of an, or the business closing. Right. Quote unquote. Right. Was obviously the easy one, mm -hmm. but let's go with something uh, a little bit more deep. Okay. Uh, as a, as a business owner or. Do all three. Shit. We got time. Okay, good. Yeah, we do. As a business owner, I think the hardest part for me was um, knowing that I am and this is nothing against anyone else, but I am the, the the majority income of my household and my family. And that pressure that at any given moment, my business may be shut down and living with the real life anxiety that what I'm doing is illegal, which I worked my whole life not to do illegal things and that my surroundings and my, a lot of my peers uh, did things illegally to get where they're at. And we all have, myself included, but that I was doing the right thing in the wrong way and that at any given moment, financially, that could be stripped from me after eight years of sacrificing my life, that real life pressure and having to balance that anxiety and still be able to open the business and just be uh, functionally, like smile at people and be normal at my own household. That was very difficult for me mm. as a businessman. That um, I, under I understand having like, you know, taxes and, owing money but to have that real life feeling that this may be over like to walk into my gym and finally be like this may be the last time i'm here not because i'm sick or i may die but because they're gonna shut me down was a very real sobering feeling that i had never felt because to me the battle action would never fail we would just find another spot but that that the restart feeling um was really hard for me as a business person because when you own your own business you just I don't know if you're just confident, you feel like it's going to be forever. Mm -hmm. um, and then balancing that real life emotion was, was rough for me financially. Um, no, because I, I stayed open. I really didn't give a fuck, but every day I opened the door, I'm like, is this it? Yeah. Like, that's weird to me. It's like, I made this business so I can't be fired. <laughs> you know, like right. I may became my own boss, so I don't have to answer to anybody and I can wear whatever I want. I can stay open. And finally I was walking into my gym and being like, is this the last time I'm going to be open because the cops are going to just show up and shut me down? It's wild. And the avenues I had to go through to stay open was was hard. You know, asking questions, you know, are they coming to the South District? Do I open the, the, the doors? Like, do I kick people out? You know, kind of becoming something I wasn't. Setting heavier guidelines and rules and, and the whole reason you become an entrepreneur is to think outside the box and I had to really refine my box. Right. 
it's funny that all of that went down and in the same breath they're like we're shutting down gyms but if you don't want to die from covid you should probably be healthy and exercise more right <laughs> and and it was a whole argument process and as a business person to feel um powerless yeah it was very uh felt very vulnerable and obviously no one feels good that way to feel that you've put in all this time and effort to be shut down for doing what you were supposed to do in this beautiful country and i'm not going to get political i i don't give a shit but it was a very as a business person it was very deflating sure you know, all this hard work for for what you know um as a coach was really difficult to see my athletes um become complacent and uh, all of us I, I remember we had several meetings about it i'm like i can see them yeah. with the fear in their eyes and uh, i made a fucking point not to be that person but i can see them kind of a well there's nothing to compete for so you know let me eat what i want drink what i want rest when i want kind of I'm gonna take my deadlifts kind of easy and the fury in my bones and uh, we had a lot of meetings you can talk to my guys <laughs> And girls, and be what the fuck are you? Do you think that this is it? This this twenty twenty is going to define your life? This is what I I wrote about. This is it. There's no next year. There's no ten other fucking years of competing, and to see the real life effect of this thing kind of bleeding into their mentality and effort. And uh, I'm not saying that all of them did it, but we all fell victim to it. Sure, we all couldn't train like we wanted to or eat like we wanted to and expose ourselves, and constantly reminding them that. Hey, man, it was effort. Like, you need to come here and have quality work. Or you may come here once a month, or you may be training at home with a kettlebell and a band, but it better be the best training session of your life. And that was hard to adapt to that from having the ability to coach them on a deadlift and then suddenly they're like, hey, you know, hey, coach, I don't have anything. I have a kettlebell, two dumbbells, and I have outside. I mean, like, okay. Um, <laughs> how heavy are your dumbbells? 20s. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. And he's a 300-something-plus-pound bencher. And adapting to that. And being there mentally and physically and emotionally for somebody who went from deadlifting reps to suddenly, you know, gaining weight and not doing anything. And that was tough as a coach, you know, and obviously on a personal level, I mean, let's be real, you know, watching people getting nervous and, and losing people, not only to COVID, but just in general, that yeah. anxiety, they can't go out, they can't train. And, and it was it was a tough year in that aspect uh, to look back and see that. I'll be honest with you. I think we did amazing as a fucking gym um, to see, you know, there were some Saturdays where we went to like three, four people. Yeah. When normally their population on a Saturday is 15 to 20. Easily. And I just remember looking at that and, and battling mentally. And I'll be honest with you, between going, you fucking pussies to I get it. Yeah. And that's hard because there's two sides of me, you know. Um, and that was tough. And that's business, coach, <laughs> and athletic. I like think that, that concept. I think we definitely like for me a big part. And the funniest thing is in my house, I'm the one who went out the least. Right. And I got fucking COVID. Right. But my mindset was always, what about other people? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't care about me. Like I'm ready to go. Yeah. Let's <laughs> so get after wife, it. Like, yeah, if I go from a flu though, you know what I mean? Like, know, fuck like, it. <laughs> it'll be sick though. Cause it'll be like that scene from game of Thrones. where you got gouged by the boar and it'll be me. And I was like, I'll be so dramatic. And my wife will be so disgusted. <laughs> it'll be perfect. Just be a fat piece of Just shit. Dress me in silks. Yeah. 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 I'll be in like, you know, that Royal, like purple color, fat and bleeding. Sweaty as fuck. She's like, where are you even bleeding from? Like nobody knows. I cut myself. <laughs> I cut myself because I know this is the end. Look at me. 
This Bring is me. your king. Bring me your goblet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was really about you know trying to trying to consider others. You know, um, we're her her my wife's parents are not the youngest people on the planet. You know, yeah. so every time we interact with them, we got to be cautious. So all of that stuff mattered, and for me, it was like, all right, well, you know, what can I do at home? And I would think, and this is, I, I think, something that you may agree with is training at home is a f- developed skill because it is rough. It is. That's why I never did a home gym. Yeah, my whole life. Never. I, yeah, it's can't a, do it. Yeah, agreed. I can't. I mean, people like oh, people that work from home get paid to work, and it's still hard. Let alone working out where you're working out for fun. And that's hard, too. I just, I've been like this since I was beginning. My home is my home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't talk, I'm going to talk. When people come to my house and they ask me about training, I'm like, come on, man. What's my, ask me my favorite color, dog. It's a PlayStation 4 right yeah, there, idiot. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> That's my home. It's my place for peace. I don't want to even lift a weight. But I saw, you know, credit to you guys. Some people like it, but not to me. I don't like it. I like my home to be my home. But I also, you know, I built my own gym. But. I would literally drive to my gym to do rehab, like just my big three. So that's what I did when I was hurt, and yeah. then go home. I just can't do it at home. It's not the same. I respect it. Yeah, I definitely. I did, um, you know, acquire some weights and stuff, but I was like, man, it, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks, man. Yeah, I need to know that I'm squatting more than everybody in the room. Word. <laughs> <laughs> and it also it also boils down to, I don't need to train at home. Yeah. If I did. I would because when I was fighting and I had to run them on my block, you know, for an hour, I did and do push-ups and squats. I don't need to. You know, I made the effort knowing my psychology and how I am and how easily distracted I could be. I, I built my own gym. And there's some people that can and can't do that. So to you guys who had your own home gym and made it and get after it at home, my hat's off to you, man, fuck straight up. Day. I'm not saying I can't do it because my mom didn't raise no pussy. <laughs> but fuck you. Credit to you, dog. I'd be like, eh, I'm going to finish this episode of, you know, whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> Forge <of> fire <laughs> real quick. Man, episode 768 of Naruto. I can't get up now. Still in. <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> what do you think your greatest accomplishment was in 2020? Fuck. I know. Um, okay, that's a really great question. On an athletic level, I mean, you know, because I'm very... Uh, Ooh, let's do all three. Sure. Okay, wow. Fine. <laughs> Damn it. There's a theme. I set this up. <laughs> As an athlete, competing in nationals was my greatest uh, greatest achievement. It I, it didn't go... I can't... Like, sometimes I, f- I feel like nationals was already like a year ago for me. Yeah. It didn't go how I wanted to, but it went how it needed to. And that's important for people like me. Um, I don't do well. Success to me is very fleeting. Um, it it's just it is what it is, or it's a result of good work, and that's that. I, I tend to be bad at that, but it needed to it needed to show me that I'm still in the game, that I am still capable of doing a lot of things through injuries and hardships, um, and I needed that as a, on a personal level, like we discussed in the last couple episodes. I needed it. Um, I'm really proud of that, and it's it's hard for me to say that I'm proud of 37th place. Um, but I'm proud of the journey to get there with only four weeks to compete. I, I proved a lot of things to myself. As an athlete, that was probably one of my greatest achievements. And my 300-pound strict press, which came, I think it was in maybe March or April. 
when things were going down and and people were quitting the gym, I decided to dive in headfirst in the middle of a move, in the middle of the pandemic, when eating was really hard and I don't know when I was just stuffing food in my face to try to be strong. And I hit a lifelong achievement PR early in the year just to show myself that I will not be ruled by external stressors. And to me, that's very important because I have a lot of those and sometimes I fall deep into that anxiety. And that was very special to me. It happened. I didn't really talk about it. Um, I mean, I posted it, but I had been chasing a 300 pounds trick press for a very long time. To get it in my later years and in my hardest parts of time was just very special to me. Um, And that just showed me that I could and I would. And as an athlete, I think that all of us suffer from that kind of, no, you can't. And I was like, yeah, I can. Um, As a coach, I think my proudest moment was to see my team end strong. Um, Start this year confused, um, saddened by not being able to compete in Miami's, not being able to compete in throwdown. But coming at nationals proudly, finish at Florida's strongest man, and have that same kind of attitude with what's next. You know, and I'm, I'm seeing this as an overall attitude in gym. I can feel it now that the year is ending and we're not battered and giving up. And like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. And no, it's like, you know, this episode, this, you know, this event's going to open up in February. I mean, there's throwing competition in January. I'm going to do that. Miami's baddest is in April. They can't wait. And it's just kind of like these chained animals ready to be unleashed. And as a coach, you're very, very proud that they weren't beaten into the ground by such a difficult year. And I love that. That means that's something you can't necessarily coach. You can only nurture. And to see them, you know, just like foaming at the mouth, ready to strike into ending competitions, you know, nationals, Florida's strongest man, uh, Tampa's or yeah, Tampa's strongest man, just being ready for that and, and finishing the year strong has been an awesome, awesome feeling. I think that's really cool to see everyone just ready to compete. And it just shows the tenacity and the perseverance of their attitude. Mm-hmm. And then on a personal level, <laughs> I think ending this year, um, trying to enjoy the holidays for the first time in 36 years has been the biggest. And this is just personal shit just because we're here. I hate the holidays. <sighs> I hate them. Uh, I've never liked them. I really like them as I get older. I'm sure I'm going to like them even less as I start to lose more and more people. But I've finally... I've invested, I want to use the word invested, over $1,000 in gifts, which is, but I did it because I think it's important to finally understand, and maybe it finally hit me, maybe I'm getting older, but the holidays are really not about me and my bullshit. And I can be the bah humbug and all I want, but I'm finally ending that, like, I bought some gifts where I'm like, this is going to be so cool when they get it. For the first time in 36 years. Because, you know, I do it here and there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's been the year or, the uh, you know, just the accumulation of, of loss this year or that, you know, things aren't really promised and everything ends. But that, on a personal note, is the first time I'm actually looking forward to Christmas. Yeah. I, bro, never in my life. <laughs> never have I said, oh, fuck, yeah, I just don't like it. I don't like the fakeness. And, you know, you think of it, it's a very emotional month for everybody. Yeah. And it's a time it's a time of year where you need to be your strongest. And that should make me love it that much more. Because if there's one time of year where you need to be like, hey man, you know, and it's only gonna get worse as you get older, you're gonna have to be even stronger in ten years when you're every even when more people are gone. And that's kind of what I've been built for. So whatever I've been trying to avoid this whole time. 
And on a personal level, I'm pretty proud of that. Maybe it took a shitty year or a few shitty years in a row to me be like, stop it, bro. Now, if you ask me, Mike, do you like the holidays? No. I don't like a lot of things. But they do like that you like it. And that yeah. makes me happy. Like watching other people get happy about the holidays now, now is like, cool. I get it. I don't know if it just took 2020 to remind me of that shit. Or maybe we're just like, what a shit year. Let's end with a bang. Because I'm a New Year's fan. I love fucking New Year's. I don't know if it's if it's a, you know, it's a symbolic thing. I love counting down. I love 12 o'clock. But that's my favorite shit. But Thanksgiving, I like to eat. But just like Thanksgiving blah, is my you know? time. But. Yeah, that's on a personal level. Between oh, you're us. having one and a half plates? I'll have three. Yeah. Idiot. Three? Calling me a pussy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's kind of where I've been at this year on a personal like the, just You know, obviously, there's a lot of things I can talk about, but just being able to, you know, you look, I mean, I, I actually drove to get a Christmas tree this year. I was like, hey, let's get a Christmas tree. You just what? wanted a photo op with Roach. Yeah. You saw me? I saw you saw how cool she looked? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. That was cool. Yeah, she's cool. And, uh, yeah, you get me. <laughs> but I never do that. Yeah. You know, and it's just uh, seeing other people and, and having Axmas and seeing people in that cheer. Axgiving. Oh, my God. Eating and, and, and people just smiling and trying their best to do the best of what they have. And now I'm seeing the holidays in a completely different perspective. Now I can see how my parents used to fucking scrape pennies to fill our trees up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was just talking about it with my sister. Like my mom was an expert. Like if she bought me a, like a color set, it would be the canvas wrapped up, the color pencils wrapped up, and the other th- markers wrapped up. It was like three different presents, even though it all came together because she yeah. was awesome like that. But that they did that because they knew they had to be strong for their children. And I'm like, sure. get it. Like, you, we have to be strong now for our friends and our peers and our family yeah. to smile during the holidays, even though a lot of us have a reason not to like it. Ugh, I get the worst it for me. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you. we can't hand that misery down. <laughs> we got to hand that courage down. I even do it when I give, like, when I give my wife a gift. I'm like, here's your gift, whatever. <laughs> I really, really thought hard about it, and it's it nice, but too, I don't It's not really even care. wrapped. Uh, if you need me, I'll be in the other room. It's drinking. in a public spot. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I get. <laughs> and I'm going to get like that. But <laughs> for sure. But tomorrow I'll be like, oh, start off strong. And then by the end, I'm like, don't talk to me. Yeah. Just it's like <laughs> very happy till they, it's like, open it. You're going to love it. Then they yeah. open it and love it. I'm like, I fucking knew it. I idiot. Knew, yeah. <laughs> I know you're going to fucking like that gift. Now leave me alone. I'm not going to tell you how much it costs, asshole. <laughs> you, know, you have to add like a reality, even though you're super happy that they're happy. <laughs> Oh, man. You know, it's funny is that, you know, coming up to this year, you know, now that uh, I created a life this year. Like, yeah, no shit. Holy shit. This is, it's coming. No, I didn't. Baby I, Michael. Baby Michael. <laughs> the girl. The girl. <laughs> but she'll knock you out. Um, yeah, probably. Basically, for me, without uh, my stepdad, Christopher Williams, a.k.a. Big Crispy, a.k.a. The Man. Hey. Um, I spent a long time not understanding why he would force us to sit down so much. Hey, it's Christmas. We need to be together. Hey, it's Thanksgiving. We need to be together. And I'm like, <laughs> whoa, these are great drinking nights. I'm not, I'm not. And now, dude, yep. I'm like, man, I wish we would just have one more meal together. <laughs> I just want to have cake with you. Dude, and that's, they're right. Yeah, he's fucking right. And now yeah. I'm like, hey, Big Crispy, I'm going to give this shit to baby, baby Lola Michael. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to force people to sit the fuck down. Yeah. I am. You no, know, and that's, I brought that concept to X giving. And 
you know, I did it because I, I'm a sucker for tradition. Yeah. But it was like, oh, I hate the holidays. But we're doing Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> what bullshit am I trying to pull here? Well, and now here we are. You know, you're going to be doing the same thing. You're like, no, we're sitting down forever. Yeah. I, I had an attitude on Thanksgiving uh, Day because uh, obviously I'm with COVID and everything. I'm trying to be more protective of the families that we're going to see, you know, as we're going to visit the in-laws and stuff. So, but I had an attitude for like the first three hours. I'm like, why are we even here? I could have been, you know, down south. And she's like, you could have went down south, but you chose. And I'm like, but I'm thinking of others. Yeah. Can't you see that I'm, I care? You see I'm here? Mad now. She's like, <laughs> she's like, just drink and shut up. Yeah. Done. Fine. But I won't enjoy it. <laughs> I don't even like this delicious turkey. <laughs> I'm needing this fourth plate, but not because I want to. <laughs> so I think that a lot of things, um, and I think these can kind of blend together, but I think 2020 has has had to, has forced us to put things into perspective. And then I think that in a way, those have those perspectives have had to come to motivate us. So where did you find... 2020 leading you in terms of perspective and then creating some type of bar for motivation. Well, first I'm going to go ahead and say that um, I started the year and this was during the anniversary of the battle action, trying to identify 2020 as not a hard year to not give it its power. It's like not giving a negative comment, you know, Oh, look what this fucker said about me in your story because you're just giving him power. All right. And then I ended that in Thanksgiving by saying, I'm wrong, which I never do. But <laughs> this uh, is the once in yeah, right? <laughs> never <laughs> lifetime. Yeah. And I said, what I'm going to do is that I'm going to give this year exactly what it needs to do and it, what it needs. It's its identity as a very difficult uh, set of days in a row. But instead, what we need to do is to identify what we're going to do, what we've done before, during, and after, so that you see it blend into your efforts. So that 2020 is just the sandwich between 2019 and 2021 and so on and so forth. Your early teens and late 20s and your, you know, for me, late 20s and mid to late 30s, it doesn't matter what your age is, you figure it out, is, yes, let's identify it. But like I started off by saying is, the motivation or the perspective of me was that this is a series of building blocks for what is to become a lot better in life. And I view that consistently, not only as a coach, as a trainer, as a businessman, as a person, as an athlete, but 2020 is like being injured. If you're going to culminate your entire athletic career of one injury, you were never meant to be an athlete in the first place. If you hurt your, I mean, injured, not hurt, Injured, your sideline, six, eight, 12 months out. If you're not ready to keep going after that, you never loved the sport. If you let one injury of a year cut you down, you've never loved life. And it's just the truth. And I hate to be like a sour motherfucker, but it's the truth. You have to really, I mean, I love life, man. I love it. And it's, it's a love-hate relationship. But I love it. And that's why I live it so furiously. Maybe because I have a morbid perspective on death and it's always around the corner and all these things. But think about it. If, you're, if your perspective on life is to live it to the fullest and longevity, this is just a little hiccup 
This is just an injury. And my motivating factor is to overcome, to persevere. It's been the same thing we always talk about pretty much on every fucking podcast. And I view this as a bicep tear. I view this as a hamstring tear. I view this as a spine injury. I view this as a loss of a family member and best friend. I view it the same way because that's the only perspective I know that will breed longevity and growth. To me, 2020 is just an injury and a hiccup in your training in training protocol. You don't stop going to the gym. You don't stop living life. You don't stop trying to figure things out. So my biggest motivating factor was the same motivating factor I had in 2019 and 2018 and 2017 and so on and so forth. And what I will have in 2021 and 2022 is the same thing that gets you out of bed every morning is to never quit. So, yeah, man, I'll cheer it up to 2020. But I've had a bad 2017 and 2018 in a row. 2019 was all right. 2020 sucked in some ways. 2021 is going to be whatever it's going to be. So that my perspective, and I hate to say this because I don't mean to dog anyone, my perspective hasn't changed. Yeah. My motivating factors have not changed. If anything, they have shown me that what I've learned in life will withstand the storm. And that is very motivating. Yeah. That being myself and believing in what I've believed in, not that I'm not willing to change, but at least right now in my life, that I'm on course. You know, dealing with it in this perspective, like, hey, man, I got hurt. Bang. Does that mean I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing? No. Does that mean there's no way of fixing this? No. Does the good end? Yeah. And so does the bad. So I, I think people need to. That's why. I mean, I started the year not giving it its power, but let's be real. You're not going to ignore an injury. Maybe I try to ignore it at the beginning of the year, but it's real. Yep. So let's fix it. And I think we've done okay, man. I think if you really look at it, that perspective, and you look back this year, you're doing all right, kid. You know, if you're <laughs> listening to this podcast and your car or at home, having, you're doing okay. Yeah. Right? Um, and I hope that that kind of answers your question in a very, I don't like the bullshit. There's a lot of bullshit 2020 things here. <laughs> yeah. Because suddenly, like, hey, 2020, my whole life has changed. I'm like, it, it, it hasn't. Maybe you just weren't viewing it the right way before shit went down. Just like I said before, preemptively preparing for the right shit makes you a very dangerous human being. I got all pissed off with that. I mean, honestly, if 2020 was a person and John Banks and Michael De La Pava were in a bar, <laughs> we'd be like, what's your story, bud? <laughs> yeah, let's sit down for a couple of drinks, man. You know, we have a podcast. It's weird that you uh, hang out. <laughs> you should listen to it. Not because we told you, but we'll tell you if you want. Oh, man. Um... I like this next question, but uh, do you want to jump on live? And uh, oh, dang! Yeah. yeah, I think it's that time. Yeah, I'm down. Use this water to kind of serve which we've drank nothing from. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying we're dehydrated. I'm saying that we're accelerating our um, alcoholic state. I'm just gonna jump in early. I think I said twelve twenty, but fuck it. You said twelve twenty. I missed that part. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't make the rules here. We'll just, just stay live for a while. Yeah, why not? Got plenty of battery. Yeah, because we came so early. It's not 1 p.m. or 2 p.m. where we're at 50%. That's us. I do everything at 50%. (laughs) Which is another man's hundo. Oh. Right? Yeah, take that. See what I did there? Bunch of losers. Okay, we're live now. All right. Live. Let me uh, 
up a little bit. <laughs> um, Jameson, if you want to sponsor us, I'm mad at him. At Jameson. So, who are the three most influential people to you? I saw this question. This is a dangerous I one. I know. I hate these, man. But I get it. I'll allow one honorable mention. You can pick you can pick dead celebrity athlete. But I think the the most influential three gotta be people you know. Okay, so the, the most influential three and then there's a wild card. Yeah. <sighs> Fuck. Okay, so Man, okay. I, so well, the reason why I suck at these questions is because you're always gonna leave uh, somebody left out, and it's gonna suck. It's always me. Um, okay. So number one this year, and I say it quite often, and it's not to exclude my father, but I'm going to talk about my mother. This year has been a real difficult year on a personal level with my family, of which I don't really want to talk about of why, but there's something to be said about. Um, my my mother's love. I'm not speaking on all mothers because some moms are jerks. But for the most part, I think it's important to mention how fucking important it is to respect the consistency and the per- perseverance of my mother's love for our family and for all her children. Sometimes undeserved, undeservingly so. That has been a uh, consistently uh, powerful northern light for me. In my entire life, we've been through some shit as a family, through some fucking shit. Um, and my mom's just always been a G about it. I mean, tough fucking, just a tough woman, but loving in her own way, and it's special. And I think that's shown me that if you really love something, that you don't quit. And there's something my mother has never done, is to quit on us, her husband and her three kids. And... I wish I could, uh, sometimes I wish she would (laughs) for her own sanity, but she doesn't. And as much as that's frustrating, it's because maybe I can never understand the level of a mother's love. And I kind of reflect that upon leadership. You know, sometimes you get mad at people who are trying to lead you. And you get mad at them. You're like, why don't you just tell that person to fuck off? Why don't you just give up on them? Why don't you just kick them out? You don't understand the love and the commitment of a leader and how hard it is to not give up on somebody when you committed yourself to them. No, you didn't literally create that life, but in some ways you did. And my mother has shown me that as a patri- as the matriarch of the family, that you just don't quit on things. And that has been probably the one of the most inspiring things in my entire life. I wish I can relate it better to her. We just always get emotional because we're Hispanic. So if I try to say it in Spanish, we'll just start crying together. But... I hope that she hears that one day and she will because I write it to her in letters and I tell it to her consistently. But that's my number one um, motivating factor, not just of year this year, but always. But this year has been specifically uh, brought out to us on a personal level as a family, just how important it is to see a mother love something and not quit. And even if it kills them, John, that is leadership 101. They're willing to, to die to not quit on something. And as a son, I'm like, I don't get it. But I get it as a leader, as a coach. Um, and I, I hate to, like as a mentor, or a, a big brother figure. 
So that's my number one thing that I would say is my biggest, uh, as far as a person. Um, I really don't um, have two and three for you. And I, I wish I did, but I just don't want to bullshit you. Yeah. As listeners and um, as people tuning in, I really don't want to give you two and three because it'd be a, something I just made up and just brought up. Oh, my friend and this and that. And I just don't, I don't, I'm not going to bullshit. And I hate when people do that and they create this bullshit. My mom probably takes one, two and three and takes the cake. <laughs> I've had great, I've had great friends. And I've that had, means two things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause she makes cakes. That's funny. Oh man. I wish she could get that joke so bad. She'd be like, okay, you know, with the little hands. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I'm going to give it to her this year, dude. My mom's the MVP this year. Dog. Yeah. Um, and I think that's uh, that's kind of how I'm going to end it on that. Because I think when you're a person that, and I've said this in other episodes and I'll say it again, when you want something, you will see greatness in everything and everyone. When you are a person that is trying to live life to its absolute fullest, through the the little like cracks and, and just crevices of the world, you will find greatness in everything and everyone and you will take take it for what it is. Whether that person is the bum on the fucking street or the fucking CEO that you met in some party you probably don't belong to because your, your credit score is crap. But you find it. And I use my mother as a primary example of many things to do outside of just, you know. But my mom decorates cakes and creates cakes. Her hands are to create art. And as much as I'm artistic, my hands also smash a lot of things. And I see her in a way to push forward in training and life and loving and, and being consistent. And even in my attitude, sometimes by pulling back. But when you really love something, you really will find everything and everyone. And if you don't, and if you haven't, then you really don't love that thing that much. Because when you love something, everything is an inspiration to keep that fire burning. And you just find it in other things. You find it in nature. You find it in writing. You find it in hardships. You find it in your breakfast. You find it in a book. You will be crossing a line in traffic and you see something. You're like, fuck, why does that make me think of that? But you're right. And my mother has been that me for me, especially my whole life, but especially this year, especially at the end of this year. Mm. Because my mom gets up every fucking day and gets after it, you know. And what an athlete. What a fucking athlete. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, that's it. And if I was to pick a person that's been long gone, <laughs> um, like I always pick, man, uh, it's been my friend Bake. You know, I lost him in 2017, and that has been the single most uh, inspiring. <laughs> I hate to use the word inspiring, but yeah, uh, moment in my life. And he, if he was gone, if he wasn't gone, sometimes I wonder where I would be. But he is. And when you lose somebody, that should be your biggest uh, motivating factor to live life. You know, like we said this in the last episode, you weren't meant to uh, recover from all things. And if this year has taught you anything ever, ever, is that you don't only lose people because they die. I've lost people this year that are still alive. We're just not cool no more. It's just a, this year has shown us that you don't have to lose somebody physically or spiritually if you want to believe that. But you can lose people that are just alive and good and happy because they're not the person you thought they were. And I think this year has really shown that. Yeah. And I that agree. has made me so fucking embrace so much harder that people that I care about 
because this year started with a lot of bad motherfuckers and it ended with a lot of fucking cowards. And if that should show you to love a little bit harder and hold a little bit harder those people that stick with you and that will accept you for your, not so much accept you for your bullshit because sometimes your bullshit needs to be checked and taken away, but... And those are my those are my two I don't have two and three, man. I'm a simple guy. And well, I to have three people that motivate me is a lot, actually. I'm I'm glad that well, first of all, we're gonna get into that love conversation in a minute. <sighs> but I'd like to take a minute to address that that question as well, because that question is something that I thought a lot about. Mm. And that question is uh important to me, uh, especially in twenty twenty. Because 2020 was challenging for me. I got married. Yeah. Found out we were pregnant. Totally. A lot of things that would look at a positive where I was, uh, had existential feeling of dread. Of course. Because that's who I am as yep. a person. So uh, I have like a 1A and 1B, Ugh. right? Uh, 1A and 1B. I'm ready. So Michael De La Pava as a 1A, right? You're always number one in my book, but <laughs> you also get to be an A. <laughs> one and an A. It's super important to me uh, for your influence because... With the loss of bake, I can communicate with you clearly about death, and you can look me in the eyes and go, "Got you." I fucking get that, right? That is important to me. You are also uh, very big as an influence in like, hey man, slow down a minute. Even the way you write training for me, if anybody doesn't know, Mike is graciously programming for me, which has been a blessing. Um, but even in the way you write your programming has influence. It's not, here's your programming, fuck off, go do it. It's, how are you feeling? Make sure you understand why we're doing this. This is why we're doing this. I don't ask a lot of questions because I see the subtext, right? What you do with that, it's changed my life, especially, and I say it all the time, but especially in 2020 because I was losing my my free solo, <laughs> you know, I was free losing solo. that. I'm like, shit, man, I, I, I really don't even know where to begin. And it was, it was you who acted quickly because you sensed it as well. Mm. And I'm gracious for that. And then one B would obviously be your cousin mm. because he's the one who steps in. He doesn't necessarily get the side that you and I come from, but he's also the one that goes chin up motherfucker. Right. There's just different kind of tough love on that end. We need, we got things to do here. Yep. You need to step in. Absolutely. And that's been really influential because sometimes I uh, I fear who I can be as a bad man. Right. Right? So I always try to be overly good. And he's like, sometimes you got to let that yeah. dog out. And I wouldn't mention my cousin because he'd hate it. <laughs> yeah, I know. He'd be like, oh, get <laughs> He'd be so mad if I put yeah. him on one of those. Because yeah, then he's going to be like, fuck, now I got to do something. Nah, right, right, right. He can't even just take a compliment. <laughs> no, no, he can't. I love it. I should have, damn it. No, I think no, we're no. all three birds of one feather. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you guys have been huge. Um, oh, quickly, you, fuck. Uh, for those of you who don't who don't know, I lost my mother at fourteen. When I was fourteen years old, my mother passed away. Um, by sixteen, I was out in the streets, and when I say out in the streets, I was literally living in the streets. Yeah, <laughs> you look literally. at me, and you're like, "Hey, hey, you got a pretty good life." Yeah. Uh, fuck you, I earned that. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm very aggressive in protecting that, but. My stepmom uh, stepped in and gave me a, a place to live and always relentlessly pursued family. I had come from a background where I had lost all of that. 
You know, I wasn't worried about where we were going to eat Thanksgiving dinner. I was worried about what my next meal was. I didn't care what the day was. And she taught me all about family. And a woman who literally made miracles, one meal that should have fed four fed eight because they walked in the door. And you're not going to go hungry in my stepmom's house. And moms are the best, bro. They're the best. The fucking best. Right? And then I think lastly would just be my wife because she has something that I don't which is uh, a sympathetic side for everyone. Right. It's hard for me because I've been through the worst or what most people would be like, oh, if I walked in your shoes, I would die. Right. And for me, I'm just like, you just got to do it. That's just life. Right. Right. And she's not like that. She's like, well, you have to see. And because of her, I'm like very much more open to like, I got to look at it another way. Yeah. You have to gain another perspective because she's showing you another perspective. Right. Because I like, uh, I hate to say it, but I, I'm that guy that's like, you want to know lost motherfucker? Let me show you. Right. And it's, Merry Christmas, fucker. <laughs> everybody's dead. Yeah. Everybody died. <laughs> right. You and see that gift? Whoever gave it to you, going to die. Yeah. Body stabbed. <laughs> Just fuck that kid up. It's an eight-year-old kid. Merry Christmas. Your dad? He's going to die too, fucker. <laughs> right now. That's in my nature. I want to do that so bad. Oh, fuck. Uh. I don't even know where I relate this. <laughs> Happy Christmas, bro. Again, 1A. Just one of my my guys. Like, hey, you know murder? I get it. Fuck yeah, you get me. (laughs) So those those influences are very important to me. And I think it's important for me to say publicly because I'm not very much an outward guy. Right. Hey, thanks for your words. Those are nice. That's not my thing. (laughs) Yeah, I'm the worst. Um, But yeah, so you mentioned love a lot. Mm. And that was actually a question that we got. So... The question is worded a little bit complicated, so I'm going to try to break it down my best, but I like the direction, so let me find it here. Uh, Here's it goes. So what does it mean to want to love something, right? I uh, I think what we've done on this podcast when we talk about, hey, then you don't fucking love it. Right. Uh, has really impacted people. Yeah. And I think now... This question is directed at, okay, well, how do we develop love for something? So it goes on to say, does it mean you haven't put in enough work to know if you love it or not? Or you're just lazy and you don't know why? It's kind of a hard call out. So, I mean, is there more to it? There is more. But it's a different question, part of it, right? I'm I'm just going to read it. Okay. And then we'll okay. try to sort it as, as we go. Because okay. that's a tough one. Not uh, really, actually. But it is, but it isn't. I'm going right? to nail it. I'm going to nail it. I, know I feel it. Just took that extra bit of Jameson. I'm thinking. I said that. Krampus. <laughs> Krampus holiday. I'm a piece of shit. I am. I'm sorry. Mm-mm. All right. So uh, is it just that you're lazy and you don't know why? Also, if the first is true, then love, no matter what it is, is a struggle. I like that word. Would you say that love and struggle are synonymous? So that's a good question. Um, to to want to love something and to love something are two different things. Uh, first of all, um, to want to live life and to actually live life are obviously two different things as well. I mean, we can always do that. Just like assistant manager and assistant to the regional manager are two different things, right? <laughs> to play, you know, my to, boss to play, Ted, play, right? Um, but when you love something or you want to love something, 
there is no uh you know mountaintop there is no oh finally you get here and this is what love feels like in my opinion this is the opinion of me and what i i think it is love is the struggle love is the work love is the working for anniversaries love is finding their favorite color their favorite place love is to swallow bullshit love is to be patient love is to sacrifice love is to make time love is to accept pain and injury and let's relate this to sport you can either and will become you love something because you love something when you love something it is always work it's just the way things must be I don't ever think that you will finally love something and find peace. And I get, I said again, peace is not this esoteric mountaintop where things are flat and everything's great. Peace is in the work. Is it in the forest fire? You have to find peace in the ability that you have something to work for. Just like you will love the fact that you love that you're working for something that you love. If that makes sense. And it does actually, you will never stop trying for this person or thing. Your life is indebted to this person. They are so much a somewhat your GPS as much as your guiding star. They're going to hurt you. They're going to challenge you. They're going to push you. They're going to try and break you, whether they're trying to do it on purpose or not. But love is not necessarily blind to that. It's accepting of it. And that's why this love is not blind. Love is accepting. I love strongman. I love sport. And I love being a coach because it hurts me to fucking pieces. But I accept it. I accept it for what it is. I don't question it. I don't ask why I took years off my life or my soul or my spirit or break me because there are some days where I wake up and I feel so fulfilled by something that has given me more than purpose. It has given me destiny. And the only way to accept destiny is to accept the downfalls that you will feel. That's love. You can't try to love something. You may try to work for something. But love is sacrifice. Love is struggle. Love is hard work. Love is fire. Love is pain. Love is injury as as much as his love is greatness and happiness and smiles and fulfillment and and, and feelings of warmth and, and clarity. But if you don't see it this way, you are going to be, in my opinion, going to be for a roller coaster of expecting something back. That's not love. That's business. You're in the wrong fucking game, kid. Yeah. If you really love something or a person. Man, if you <laughs> well, just to talk stupidly <laughs> on fucking Christmas, if you give something someone expecting something back or something just as good, you're you're a piece of shit. You don't love that person. You may like that person. You give it to them because the only thing you want to see them is fucking enjoy that shit. Mm. That's Unless you're you us, yeah. and then gift giving is competition. Uh, yes, and I will fucking win every Christmas time. Christmas is about fucking competition. Okay, let's not talk. We're talking about normal people here because no, I will true. win fucking Christmas. <laughs> Fuck that shit and birthdays. Um, but I tell you the truth: um, if you love sport and expect something back, you're in the wrong fucking game. You do it because that's the only way of life you're going to give. A way of life, whether it's discipline, martial arts, you know, uh, strongman, whatever. Accept it. Accept it. Accept it for what it is. It's going to be violent. It's going to be tumultuous. It's going to be pain. That's what the fuck love is all about. It's when you love something. Some people, you don't take breaks from this shit. I'm trying to figure things out. What the fuck are you trying to figure things out? I say it all the fucking time. What are you trying to figure out? That it's not going to hurt you next year? It's the same fucking thing. (laughs) You don't question the fucking sunrise, dog. You wake up and you get after it. 
That's that's what love is for a sport. Like, let's keep it real. Oh, I love strongman. No, you fucking don't. What you like is the free T-shirts. You like the attention. You like the free fucking wrist straps. You like getting chalk on your stupid ass hands because you look like a fucking badass and your stupid slow mo bullshit. But guess what, dog? You're gonna wake up next year. Your knees gonna hurt. And the year after that, your elbows suck. Now you're going downstairs. Sucks dick. Now you're slower. Now you're losing competitions. Now nobody knows your fucking name. You're still gonna love it then. You never accepted it for it was because that motherfucker's a constant. You know, you liked it. You used it, but you didn't fucking love it. So identify these motherfucking things when you get it. And I, and, I, and I will say this always and always, always and always. Love is acceptance of hardships, sacrifice, and struggle. If not, don't use the fucking word. Oh, I love this lifestyle. No, you shut up. <laughs> get out, dog. Get out. And I say that about sports in general. I mean, you want to talk about people, whatever. Go after, write about it in your fucking diary. When it comes to sport, accept it. It's a journal. And it has a lock. <laughs> a little heart-shaped lock. To keep people out. Heart-shaped lock. All right. Sorry. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be mailing out some band-aids after that show. <laughs> Motherfuckers got butt hurt on that show. Oh, yeah. They're well, like, bro, I love it. I love this life. Everyone's so cool. Okay, how about next year when nobody likes you? Yeah. Oh, I gotta take a step back. <laughs> Try winning. <laughs> yeah. And then people are gonna be like, oh, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. that because guy. Because when you're fucking, you know, you're jacked and you look good and competitions are, I love this. But then you get hurt and nobody knows you. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna focus more on my life. I'm like, fuck you, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. The rest of us made a whole fucking lifestyle about this because we fucking love it. Fuck you. <laughs> it's like fucking gym owners. I'm like, you don't even pay rent, dog. <laughs> I'm a coach. You don't even pay rent. Shut up. See, I'm getting, I'm sidetracking. Sorry, I'm sidetracking. Oh, let, let it fly. Yeah, I think it, after it, it. Thanks for being here, Jameson. Yeah. <laughs> I love a day buzz. So, um, did we cover happiest moment from 2020? No. Ugh. Oh, hold on. Fine. Hold on. Go on. I'm going to present this like a champion, right? Damn it. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, Trebek. Fuck. Uh, R.I.P. Wow. I'll, I'll t- oh man, R.I.P. Alex Trebek. That's one of the worst things of the year. Damn. Yeah, we lost a lot of great ones. Too. Yeah, we did. It's fucked up. I think it's a government conspiracy. Try to take out all the people that influenced us. Fair well. enough. Us personally. Us personally. Yeah, not, not everyone, everyone else. No, yeah. it's only us. Yeah, just us. <laughs> so let's hear it. Favorite yes. memory of 2020. Favorite experience. Favorite memory. Whatever. Just throw it out there. Let's do it. Let's get a little greasy. <sighs> okay. So there's one moment that stands out for me. Uh, there's a lot of moments, and I don't mean to exclude anybody. Typically when I have moments um, that inspire me, it's never an individual moment. It's being a part of something. It was uh, the, in May when we had our anniversary party. It was in the middle of the pandemic. Um, I threw the Battle Axe anniversary party thinking, you know, 10 people would show up. I was a little upset because I, you know, eight, you know, eight years, I was like, oh, this is going to be a great time. But people were anxious. And I remember there was a single moment. It was pouring outside, pouring, absolutely fucking pouring, which I loved. There was a group of people um, standing by the grill, uh, everyone grilling and stuff. There was maybe like 10 people. There was a <laughs> few people in the rain under these tents that were leaking everywhere. And it was just getting fucking water everywhere. And the gym was fucking packed packed and i looked around and not a fucking person and i remember this time because this was in the middle when it was like you're gonna die this for sure is gonna kill you 
and people were laughing and smiling, making jokes, drinking, socializing, all because they come together, whether they were a friend of a friend or here for a reason, to celebrate the battle axe gym. And I thought, this is legacy. For like a single, I, you know, I wasn't too wasted at the time. <laughs> and I remember sitting back and just looking around for, for a moment and absorbing what was going on. That we would persevere through this year. That we would push through. That a community, if it's strong enough and it has a focal point and a lighthouse, that people will gather to, to push through in the human endeavor too. To smile, to laugh, to party, to hug. And then people were cramped up. You know, the fucking gym is, I mean, people, and nobody gave a fuck. Nobody was wearing a mask. Nobody gave a shit. Not that everything is masked. I think it's stupid, but whatever. Um, Distancing at wiener length. Yeah, exactly. Which is what? At least two, three inches apart, which is huge. Yeah, but like a girthy. Yeah, a girthy, which is huge. <laughs> um, and I tell you, you can see everyone just happy. Yeah. Not caring about shit. And, first, and I go, they're here because of the battle axe gym. And that was the coolest thing in the world for me. And I felt the same thing in Thanksgiving in a much brighter part of the year. Yeah. But to see it in May, which was the middle of the fucking pandemic, was that was probably the one of the greatest moments of my life because I didn't think that many people were going to show up. And I thought that it was going to go much worse. And I realized that people were there. And this was like 9 o'clock, 9.30. So it's not like everyone was fucking hammered. It was just that people... The people were, yeah, probably we were probably drunk, but people were in a in a great place for something and for something important, and it was something that we've built, brick by brick, piece by piece. That gave me fucking purpose. So I I like that shit, and I always will. It's as you said in 2020, we spent more time supporting local people we care about. We really, really chased the. We pursued, hey man, what you're doing is good for us, and we're showing you. Yeah, I, which is why I drank an entire bottle of Jameson by myself. Nobody would drink with me for some reason, or maybe I didn't share. Yeah, that nobody sounds knows. more like nobody knows. <laughs> nobody that knows. sounds more like the second option. There. I'm definitely offered. I'm yeah. sure I did. I'm sure. such a nice guy. Like, man, <laughs> not for you. The wife still reminds me. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that time you drank an entire bottle? But um, I've also drank like three or four. I think that's a great perspective because 2020 really really wanted to just kick us in the dick and we turned into that coach from beavis and butthead yeah kick me in the gym yeah and just yes and just yeah. i remember that yeah. we did we did that this year and you did that yeah and it, i i think that um somebody needs to show you that it can be done yeah might as well be you yeah fuck it no I'm pressure that. no pressure <laughs> when we do this yeah <sighs> what a great day yeah i like it <laughs> I like the fact that it's like I wanted to end the year on this podcast uh, in a sense of nostalgia, but but calm. Yeah, I didn't. I thought our last episode was everything it needed to be. I didn't come out on this episode trying to fucking change your fucking life or inspire you with some new shit. I just wanted you to understand that what you've been doing is all right. Yep. Like yeah, you're right. Yeah, you need to change. You need to grow. And there's this fucking. Internet bullshit on Instagram where every day you wake up and, you know, you got to get after it. I agree. I say it all the time. But sometimes you have to understand that consistency and what you've been doing and identifying that, that you're on that particular uh, path is okay. That sometimes staying for a second and digging in your trench is okay. That 
staying in place and fighting for what you believe in in place and holding your ground and holding fast is part of moving forward. And people will look at this year like, I need to come out of this fucking year with all this new inspiration. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Most likely, you're probably not. And if you've been doing it right, you're going to go, you know what? I must have been doing I must have been doing something right if I withstood this attack. Instead of, well, I need to do uh, no, I need to do something more and bigger and great. That but that that's un, that goes unsaid. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay to polish off your shield instead of trying to sharpen your sword. And there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, write that to down. that again. Write that down. Write that fucking down. I said that. Sometimes it's okay to polish your shield instead of sharpen your sword. Fuck. And I fucking mean it. And this is coming from a guy who consistently says to fucking get after <laughs> <laughs> But getting, you know, that same concept of staying dangerous and moving, there's just there's different aspects to that world. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're the guy who goes, I'm just going to thrust my sword like this. Yeah. And ah, if you ah, get in the way, it's your own fault. Get it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and people get, people come at me. What do you think I should change this year? I'm like, you're, you're, you're still alive, right? And, you know, you're paying bills and you're doing good. Yeah. Identify that probably what you've been doing so far is okay pretty good and then get that what you have and that little block polish it off like look at it and identify what you did right this year instead of everything you did fucking wrong it's okay to do both man trust me you're coming from a, a person that consistently bashes themselves into the ground but <laughs> i must have done something right we must have done something right if we're here on instagram live drinking fucking whiskey on a wednesday at one fucking 12 o'clock water 12, Let's get after it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Water. Well, this cup can be anything. Until Jameson decides to sponsor us, yeah. it's water. Fuck those guys. But Jesus brown, is brown water. water. Yeah, Jay Water. Jay Water. And I tell people that all the time, man. It's like, understand what you're doing. And and here we are. I mean, if you're listening to this right now, it's probably because you're doing something fucking right. That doesn't mean I'm gonna, like getting you, making sure that, oh, my God, I did everything right. I'm just going to give up on life and be a big <laughs> bitch. I'm like, no. I'm just saying... <laughs> It's okay to polish off that fucking shield, man. You're 2020 good. is not the year where you're like shooting your wad. This bro. is the fucking shield wall year, man. Oh, wow. wow. You know what? I'm not even going to save this. I'm just going to delete it when we're done. Delete it. I'll I don't delete want anyone right to now. know what I said. So I might throw this with the best episode ever and yeah. throw it into the, the internet. episode you guys missed, by the way. On the backside of Falcor. Mm. <laughs> Falcor. It's never not Looks awesome. like Brent. <laughs> you know what? I'll show you a picture. You're not wrong. So, um, this year, especially, I've seen a lot of stay dangerous. And I think that people take that literally. Mm. But I think that you mean more than that. Fair enough. So, give us the outside of the box, staying dangerous. Because I think that it's easy to be like, oh, literally, be be a dangerous person. And for you, you look dangerous. For me, I look dangerous until I speak. <laughs> and I'm like, that guy's a uh, fucking stu- My stupid dimples ruin everything. So, um, oh, I hate them. I know. Ooh. But they're so dangerous in a nice way. Like, hey, how are you? I'm just doing a lot. Yeah, I love them. Really, I would cut them out. <laughs> <laughs> so, the content, so Stay Dangerous came to me, A, because I think it's cool, you know? Um, and a lot of people are, you know, stay consistent, whatever. I always thought when I was growing up that being dangerous was being useful. You know, the person that was a, like, I remember, I don't know where I heard it, maybe like a, a very charming person would walk into the group. They're like, oof, that guy's dangerous. So that person, that girl's dangerous. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, 
I don't, I don't get it. Like, there's nothing dangerous about that person. Um, and it ended up being not so much a physical aspect, although that's a huge portion. <coughs> it's about it's about being consistent in your outlook and things, your ambition, your perseverance, your courage, your um, your commitment to people. Being dangerous, and I use the word because I want to kind of take that power back. You know, you think dangerous, you think what? You know, you think like a weapon, you think something is going to steal from you and, and treat you poorly and you're kind of a piece of shit. But to me, uh, when you look at a sword, that danger, that sword is not danger until you wield it. You know, a sword is dangerous depending on how you wield it. It could also be protective. It can also be useful. It can also save a life. It can save a kingdom. It doesn't necessarily have to take innocence. It doesn't have to be aggressive. It doesn't have to be destructive. That to me is what it is. You are a living weapon, you know, that can protect, that can nurture, that can save, that can grow, you know, flourishes. Kingdoms and personalities and people have grown off of a weapon if you want to see it so. What is dangerous? Dangerous is being well-rounded. Dangerous is being useful. Dangerous is, and I mean that emotionally. So you're, have to be as much as aggressive and and impactful and 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 ambitious as much as you have to be nurturing and caring and understanding and patient angry and rageful and all these emotions as well as stoic calm patient that well-rounded concept the double the double-edged sword the two uses of a weapon that's a dangerous human being you should be able to come into a room and be polite and say hello to everybody and be remembered as much as you be able to be disappeared and let somebody else have the limelight and be bow- and bowing to the person that understands the room. You know, respectful as much as you need to be cunning. That is dangerous. The two sides to the weapon. So I don't, I, I've always said it. When I say stay dangerous, it means fucking fulfill your life. It means live it. It means experience. It means be more than what you, th- what people think you are. It's a, it's a, like I said it once before in a story. The worst thing you can do is be exactly what people expected you to be. You know, like I said, oh, people look at me with tattoos and stuff, and I'm like, hey, by the way, if you want me want me to be well spoken, let's get after it. <laughs> or you know, let's talk philosophy, let's talk art, let's talk history. Mm. Let's 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 get into a philosophy. Let's understand Descartes and and, and Stoic concepts. Let's talk. Max, let's talk Aurelius. Let's talk human history. Or let's talk about bullshit. Let's talk about music. What's your favorite color, dog? Let's talk about stupid shit. That's a dangerous human being. Because they, at any given moment, can give life and destroy. And that is a beautiful thing to understand. Mm. And if you have that ability to do both and you do good with it, you're the most dangerous human being in the world. And that's fucking okay. And I'm okay with that shit. And so when you people, when I say stay dangerous, it doesn't mean you're, if you're an aggressor, you're not dangerous. You're just one-sided. <laughs> yeah. And in some cases, stupid. Not that I'm, I'm anything against aggressive people, but for the most part, those people, ugh. but now if you're also super calm and complacent and you're going to be a pussy your whole life, that's also useless. If you're super, super smart and you know every fucking calculated thing, event in history, but don't know how to greet a room and make somebody laugh, you're not that well-rounded either. And if you're just nothing but funny and silly, but, you know, you don't understand the facts of history or a good movie or a musical, you're also not that dangerous. Mm. So that's always been my concept for men and women. 
Never be what they expected you to be. Push yourself outside of training and physical and mental. Get out of your comfort zone, man. So when I hashtag shit, <laughs> if you look at me walking down the street with the fucking head tattoos, you're like, what a fucking Neanderthal. And I'm okay with you believing that because you don't know what I'm capable of. And I'm okay with that because I'm wearing a fucking cloak and dagger in disguise right in front of your face. Guy wants to be a thief so bad, but he's really a bard. Right. <laughs> and sing it. And I, so and I tell people that, and that's what I think is the most important part of that conversation and those hashtags because I've only, I've only felt like I've become that later and later, I guess, now in my life is where <laughs> I'm starting to explore that. Yeah. I mean, well-traveled, well-versed, no music, no experiences, other countries, no your series of emotions, patience, angers, rage. You can lift, you can paint, you want to learn something. It's your ability to want to learn something when you don't know it. If you're not doing that right now, think about, like I said earlier in the show, the fuck have you done the last four weeks? Culminate your last four weeks in life right now. Outside of going to work, taking a shit, doing your, what the fuck have you done that is outside of your fucking boundaries? Have you been part of a charity? Have you started a new sport? Have you written something? Have you created something artistically, musically, emotionally? Have you started a new friendship? Have you got out and pushed something, something financially, something that makes you risk, something that puts you at anxiety at night where you think, did I do the right thing emotionally and financially? Have you taken a, a fucking chance on something and someone in the last four weeks? Question yourself and then ask me, are you fucking dangerous? Don't hashtag that shit because it's cute. Because being a dangerous person puts you in the life of danger in the sense that you can lose everything emotionally, with your friends, spiritually, financially. You're always taking that fucking risk because you know that life has a fucking time limit. But how easy is it for us to fall into this fucking bullshit, go to work, eat the same food, see the same people, read the same books, collect the same bullshit. And then you're telling me, yeah, man, no, I totally get it. You don't fucking get it. You don't fucking get it. And that's why I get so fucking adamant about that personality type. Anyways, I'm going to say bye to the live people. You guys have been great. Love you so much. <laughs> yeah, you guys are, man, what a solid group today. I'm also don't, I don't even know if I'm going to put it live. I have so many good ideas. I'm going to save it. <laughs> I also don't know how to end this thing anymore. Nobody knows anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, well said. I feel good about it. Let's uh, let's get after it with this final question, Oof. because I think it's, I think it's a question that is reality, because one day we're gonna have this moment. One day we're gonna be. These are our final words. If this was your last conversation, what would you say to your listeners? Oof. That was who asked that again? Oh, are you gonna do that to me? No, no, don't, don't, don't. No, I can look it up because I want to be mad at them soon. Hold on, I want to be mad at them too. So bear with me one second. Yeah, I'm mad about this. All right, uh, lifting archer. Oh wow, good question. Damn yo. So when when I so I saw this briefly, and I didn't give it much thought. Just because I don't like to give it much thought at the, at the moment because it's always going to come out with a biased or pre-planned answer. If this was my last conversation with my listeners, it mostly means it's going to be a last conversation with myself. Because when I speak on this show, when I speak on this podcast and I speak in front of my co-host and my friend John, 
It's mostly an expression of what I'm feeling. And typically, sometimes, in many cases, it's just me talking out loud to myself, expressing my fears, my anxieties, my shortcomings, as well as my strengths and my ambition and where I see myself. If I was going to tell you that this was my last conversation with you guys, it would mean that ultimately my time has come to where it needs to come, whether it's the end of the podcast or the end of my timeline in this earth and my way to Valhalla, which I think all the time. I think about this maybe as much as you or way more than you. I even wrote something about this recently. Um, my perspective on how I want to go or how this wants to be at the end has never really changed. And I wish I can give you a better perspective on that in the sense of, will I plan this out? But I've always been on the path of, if I'm going to tell you this one last thing, is to never let go. And, and I mean that in a literal and physical and spiritual sense. Your hands in life can only hold on to so much. If your spirit had uh, grip and fingertips, there's only so much that's going to fit into the palm of your hands for you to grip tightly and protect them with a fist. Your time and your ability to hold and to take care of others is specific and limited. I wish I can tell you that you can hold on to the world. And some of us were not gifted with that. And some of us, unfortunately, were. Big hands, big spirits, big hearts hold the biggest weight of the world. And they hold it tightly. And they think they can hold it on forever. That they can protect everything and everyone all the time, every single second of every single day. But the truth of the matter is that that's not true. And instead of that being a sad and a morbid concept, it should be the most empowering moment of your life. That when people decide to sit on the palms of your hands because they've given everything they have to either believe in you or trust you or love you, that you should take that moment and hold it as hard and as adamantly as you can. Because that is fleeting, whether they go or you go first. Sports, love, life, jobs, money, experiences, adventures. Those are fleeting moments in your grips. You need to grab it and you need to squeeze it as hard as you fucking can. This very single second, as you're listening to this very single moment on this podcast, is fleeting and is slowly slipping away through your grip as you start to experience other things in your life, other moments. So you just squeeze it and hold it as hard as you can. As your body and as your mind and as everything starts to push forward, you think that you can hold on to it as hard as you can, but you really can't, so you just have to try. If this was our last conversation, I would tell you that that dinner with your family or that breakfast with your significant other or that deadlift or that meal, or that post-workout shake, or that shopping experience that you had with a family member, or that last drunken night and hug you had with one of your good friends you haven't seen for a long time, to hold on to those as hard as you can as your memory fades. That is the most important thing you can do in your life. To hold fast. To hold on to those ropes, because life will throw you storms that are going to rip you asunder. And I fucking love it. I wish I could tell you that I didn't mean that, that I was full of shit for once, but life has shown me that grip is everything. Get it. Hold it. Embrace it as hard as you can. 
the laughs, the turmoil, the injuries, the ups and the downs, the listens. Feel it closely. If I had to ask this last conversation to you and to everything you've ever experienced, if I was speaking to a younger me, I would tell them to hold on to everything as long as you can. To never let go. And if they just slip, they slip. Not because of lack of effort, because life sometimes just strips it away from you. That you can go on into the steps of whatever the fuck you want to believe in and say, I gave it my all. I held on as long as I fucking could. That blood, sweat, chalk, grip, spit in the palm of my fucking hand, ripping my hands asunder and my collars to pieces, was holding on to that person, that place, that thing, that memory as hard as I fucking could, and you stripped it away from me, but I never fucking let you go. Not once. If you were to ask me again, never fucking let go. Never. Let gravity, let death, let bad experiences, let your gods, let religion, let bad luck, let it that strip it away from your fucking hands ruthlessly. But don't you let go. Not once. Not for a fucking second. And that's the only thing you need to fucking take note of if this conversation was to be the last one we ever have. Because I promise you, I've dropped things before. And it fucking sucks. And as much as you want to see this as a as a hard thing to remember or a hard thing to accomplish or a deep moment, the only reason right now there's butterflies in your stomach is because there's something in your hands that you can't let go, that you should never let go, that it's going to hurt you to hold on, like holding on to hot coals, like trying to grasp the sun. But if there's any way I'm going to go, it's going to go out in fucking flames, fighting every single second till I burn to death. Because fuck yeah. Live it. And never let go. This is a Battle Axe podcast. Saying don't be a pussy. Everything ends.